0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Old Everald and Young James Talk Politics. Uh, we're sitting here a bit nervous because we're worried the new Federal ICAC is going to come for us, given all the meddling we do uh, down in Canberra. How do you feel, Ev? Well,
1: we're first on the list, mate. No, that'll be <laughs> something. We'll go down in, in history. Uh, you know, James and Everald, the first two ropes they got uh, for corruption and... <laughs> They'll get me on is that I've spent sixty years having getting free drinks from politicians down there, mate. Sixty years of free drinks from politicians, and they've got to get me for that, haven't
0: they? Oh, yeah, no. You, the, the the meddling is uh, supreme. You know, people talk about unions and think tanks and all those other organisations which meddle in Canberra, but we know we know that you're the one causing all the trouble. Um,
1: now, well, let's let's start off on this. Day. James, I've got to say that I'm appalled that the hearings are going to be held in in, uh, private, except in exceptional service. I think it should be the reverse, that all hearings are public except when there's a very sensitive matter where the person, there's some doubt about the whole thing, and it could become a show trial. You can declare some terribly sensitive matter occasionally and not public, but by vitalisation. I'm going for the reverse of what they want there. Why, t- I know that this was the price that Dutton put before our I'll vote for the thing if you have the hearings in uh, in private and, and I think there was a bit of an agenda there. But well, what do you think?
0: Yeah, I, I think it's awful. P- putting that aside, the Federal Act bill is great. Like it's retrospective, um, it is independent, it is strong, it has a lot of really cool powers. Um, but the fact that the hearings, by and large, except for exceptional circumstances, won't be public, is, um, it's not good. It's not good. and i I would like to see amendments moved in the Parliament to make hearings public except in exceptional circumstances rather than private, except in exceptional circumstances. you um, you say, that maybe that's the price they have to pay to get the Liberals to vote for it. Um, I suppose two things I'd say to that are, frankly, um, who gives if the Liberals want to vote for it or not? You've got a stunning array of independents and Greens on the crossbench who you could get it through with. Um, and secondly, it, it doesn't even look like the Liberals might vote for it anyway. I've I've heard, you know, overnight there's a lot of dissent within party ranks about <laughs> Whether or not they want to vote for it, because some of them hate the idea of a federal ICAC altogether. I imagine, you know, your Angus Taylors, your Scott Morrisons, and your Michaelia Cashers don't want a federal ICAC at all, no matter how um, public or private it may be. Um, so
1: well, that puts Dutton's leadership on the line, isn't it? I mean, I think Dutton, having realised he's only he got 19% in the polls or whatever it is, and, and they realised he's got to look like a good guy. Uh, but I really think he's trying to wedge the, the independence. The independents have been the one that's run with this. I mean, Helen Haynes has pushed this bill for yeah. years, member for Indy. And all of a sudden, the two big parties try to cut them out. Now, this is a move by the two big parties. Part of their motivation is to say, let's make these independents look as if they're useless and we can do without them. And I think there's a bit of that sinister stuff in it. But you're right. If Alvo wants to get this bill through, he can get it through. He'll have the votes in both the House of Representatives and only by one or two, mind you, but he'll have the votes to get it through in the right way. And I can't understand why he's giving in on the privacy, uh, you know, while he's making an issue of the privacy matter.
0: Well, it's it's really silly to me because, like, let's make no mistake, through the Abbott, Turnbull and Morrison governments, the Coalition did not extend a single olive branch to Labor. Um, I don't understand why Labour would in turn try to extend olive branch back because you, you don't get the same thing in return. If, if you put your hand on the hot frying pan, it burns you. You don't put your hand back on the hot frying pan and think, oh, I wonder if it'll be nice and pleasant this time. We know what the Liberals do in power. They do not work bipartisan with the opposition. They freeze the opposition out of everything. Um, and no amount of Caving on really important matters on a federal ICAC bill will change that. More importantly, though, um, I don't understand, like it's it's absolutely bonkers that the Labour Party would be freezing out the independents because the independents are keeping Liberal Party members out of Parliament. Aside from Di Lee, who rolled Christina Keneally, and that's mainly because Christina Keneally sucks, um, all of the teal independents. Knocked off Liberals. These independents are keeping Liberal Party members out of the Parliament in blue ribbon seats. The only like, it makes sense for Labor to be working with them intently. And yeah.
1: Well, look, I, I would even say, let's make an issue of this independent thing. And in the Victorian elections, which are on shortly in New South Wales next year, let's say to people, show you support independent, don't wipe them out like they have in the federal parliament voter men in New South Wales and Victoria make an issue, an issue of the whole thing. Uh, and uh, I believe that democracy only happens when you have minority governments. It only happens, and, uh, and and I think we've got to work towards that day because then everything's got to be, uh, you know, negotiated. And, and look, uh, it's it, 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 uh, it, 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 it's not odd. Well, it wasn't odd in my early life. Of, Politics for political parties to be bipartisan. As you said, it's become a no-no in recent years, except it's cropped up now. But when Menzies and and Chifley and were on either side of the house, they changed positions, Prime Minister and not, when they, when they were doing that, they would meet at the start of the parliament after an election. And they'd agree that if the winning party had a mandate to do certain things. Okay, the opposition would let it through. They had a mandate, but they'd then agree on the things that they were going to fight about, and they'd have a rip-roaring fight about them. But they observed the issue that if you've got a mandate for something, the other party ought to let it through. They could make a bit of noise, but they can't let it through. And I think it's sad that those days have disappeared. But here we are in the competition data. But it comes back to the point, that it appears with this going uh, quiet, you know, you can't, things are going to be held in private, it, it, it's reeks of a cover-up that the blokes who think they're going to get nabbed, uh, you know, want it covered up. Whereas if any of us go to court for anything, the press can walk into the courtroom and make an issue of it and there's naught we can do about it. We can't say to the judge, well, I suppose an exceptional secretary, because I want my, my court case to be held in private. I don't see why these guys should get in
0: private. I was going to say maybe if you're in court for um, committing war crimes, you might get a private trial, but I I don't think you've committed war crimes ever. (laughs) Not any time lately at least. I haven't, you know,
1: I've uh, I've, I've thought about it, but it'll be good when the Corruption Commission comes in and see how it works. And I hope that they're able to maintain their, uh, their independence and. And I think this thing about the public hearings is the first attempt to get rid of their independence, and I think that's uh, that's, uh, that's not good. But I think we should praise the independents led by Helen Haynes, who were the only ones who carried you know, the, the banner for ICIC you know, when Morrison and Turnbull and all those guys were in. And I think they, they, they only got to the parliament because of their... Persistence. And Helen Haynes,
0: the leader of that movement, did a hell of a good job. Absolutely. She's excellent. She's been fighting for it. Like I know Labor picked it up, the idea of it recently, in the past two um, two parliaments, but she's been fighting for it and moving bills for it for a long time. Um, I think, like I said at the start, putting aside the public hearing thing, um, the bill's really good. I'm, I'm really happy with it. And it'll be great to have a Fed like that. So um, I don't, you know, I don't want our listeners thinking like we hate the idea altogether, and we think we should burn the whole no, thing. No, because, yeah, it's, it's absolutely. We're
1: both, we're both all in favour of actually. Yeah. well, let's move to another thing that stirred me up. Is the National Cabinet met yesterday, whenever it was, and decided that they can be when you get COVID now, you don't have to go into isolation for four days. Used to be seven, as you know. And now they're saying, no, oh, that's often uh, that disturbed me a bit because we're still having a fair number of deaths every day and there's no evidence that we've got rid of uh, COVID from this country. I mean, we've made pelishing good steps forward. But I, you know, I was disturbed that with people still dying, uh, we've cut out the isolation period. What's, what do you think about that?
0: Yeah, it, I, I don't like it at all, frankly. I think it's like the first... Um... Big, big screw-up elbow is made. Um, like, you know, even with the federal IPAC bill, we're not too happy with the private hearings thing, but on the whole, it's still a really good thing. Whereas this is just a, a big old, big old um up, I think. The COVID deaths are still happening and happening quite regularly. Um, we still don't fully understand the effects of long COVID. Um, personal responsibility with sickness in the Western world does not work because... Unlike other societies around the world, unfortunately, we are not a communitarian people. Um, people get the shits if you just ask them politely to wear a mask for the benefit of other people in society. Um, people won't do it. Um, I've, you know, I catch the train into work, uni and duty in that. And ever since the mask mandate stopped being a thing, mask usage, I'd, I'd say during the mask mandate, probably 60, 70% of people on trains had masks on. Now you'd be lucky for it to leave be 20% um, because we're just not, you know, Dom Perrottet can wax on about individual responsibility all he likes. Realistically, with a virus, it's not individual responsibility. The only way to take absolute individual responsibility now is to lock yourself at home and never leave um, because you get a virus by having it transmitted to you from other people. You don't just get it out of thin air. Oh, you do get it out of the air, but <laughs> from other people. Um, So, like I said, unfortunately, we in the Western world are a society who hate making sacrifices for the betterment of other people. Um, We hate doing a small gesture like wearing a mask to protect our fellow commuters. Um, And so this whole individual responsibility thing is quite scary to me, realistically, because there's going to be COVID everywhere.
1: Yeah, well and it is and, and, and as you say, Australia hasn't been in the habit of looking after one. Now, I remember when I first went to Japan, it was sort of folklore in Japan, no laws about it. But if you you had a cold or the flu, or not just a cold, you were expected by society to wear a mask. So I used to get around Tokyo seeing all these people wearing masks. I mean, not a Europe, but you knew that our people had a cold and that protected each other. And this happened. Naturally, and it's interesting to note that Japan has got one of the greatest rates of longevity in the world. Uh, you live longer in Japan than anywhere else, and I reckon it's because people have protected one another from various elements by wearing masks when the community uh, decided it shouldn't, and we've never reached that point in Australia, have we?
0: No, and it, it's things like that that make this strategy of personal responsibility non-feasible. Um, because, like, like I said, you know, w- with a virus, it's, it's not like you can unilaterally stop it. So you, you, people can take personal responsibility for their weight, for example. You know, they can eat well, exercise, get eight hours of sleep a day and get fit. Um, it's not like someone walking past can breathe on them and make them fat. Now, with the virus, it's different because you can wear your mask Uh, you can travel in non-peak times of the day. You can work from home two, three days a week after negotiating with your employer. You can only go to the shops and do big grocery shops rather than going out a lot. You can avoid pubs, clubs and restaurants, whatever. You can do everything you can. Um, But if some clown on the train seat next to you one day on their way to work has the virus, sneezes all over you, they're not wearing masks, you might well still get it. Um, and again, at a time where we don't know enough about long COVID uh, deaths and hospitalizations, are still happening, uh, the whole COVID is over thing, I, I don't like it.
1: Yeah, true. Well, I think it's it's no, Let me just drop something else into the, into the conversation. Uh, uh, it's about the Indigenous uh, referendum, the voice rep- recommended, which I'm, I'm campaigning for. Yes, now I've made three speeches in the last. Couple of weeks on this subject, saying, giving both sides of the argument, but saying this is why you know I'm I'm going to uh, vote yes. Now, one of the things that arises in every meeting is that the suggested wording that Alba and Linda Birdie have put out in good faith, and it was a good attempt to start the debate. But people have got up and said to me, "I don't trust politicians. We could pass this referendum and give." Uh, this voice, tell, say that this voice parliament or whatever they're going to call it, the voice meeting, it doesn't have, uh, it, it can make recommendations to the parliament, but people said, I want to have it written into the constitution where it says the voice will have no legislative powers, it will have no, they want those words because they don't trust uh, you know, to handle handle the situation and they they also want words for them to say And and if if they are to get any more powers, it must be subject to another referendum. Now, that's that's arisen at every meeting, the issue they want to spell out, this will have no legislative power. Now, are people going, you're a good lawyer, mate, are people going over the top on that or is this an issue the government ought to fix before the referendum?
0: I mean, I think it's a pretty... um counterintuitive argument i suppose because like on on one hand you know we've we we talked about the the federal icac before and how the the hearings are going to be majorly in private and the reason but the logical reason sort of there is politicians don't like something that challenges their power challenges their status (laughs) in society and then on the other hand you've got people worried that albanese is going to legislate to give an Indigenous fella veto powers to all legislation in this country. Like, people will will go to their graves saying politicians are evil, power hungry, they will not do anything for the betterment of society, and then turn around in the same breath and say, oh, but Albo wants to create a third chamber of parliament to make it even harder to pass legislation. Like, no sane politician would make it harder for themselves to pass legislation.
1: Well, I mean, that argument <laughs> doesn't count. But it wouldn't hurt to add to the thing, the voice shall have no legislative power uh, but shall make recommendations to the parliament. Yeah. Now, that would make it yeah. clear, yeah. wouldn't
0: yeah. it? Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah that, that, I that think would that be would head off on
1: people. On. There's a lot of people are going to stir up and no vote on this issue uh, that as quick as a flash, parliament is going to give these guys powers and... This is just a little suedo thing to
0: yeah.
1: And you know, and I'm hoping that we might be able to get a carried because uh, there, there is a hard job out there to get this through. Now I believe it can get through, and and I'm going to campaign hard to get it through. And for those, and I've said to people in all the meetings, there were some people looked up and said, "There's under no circumstances." Well, I vote for this thing, and and I've said, "Well, they've sent it to me afterwards, you know, there's no no sooner. And I've said to them. If you think that by voting no to this referendum, you're going to get rid of the indigenous aspirations, the indigenous people wanting to have themselves re. If you think you're going to get rid of it, you're the most naive person under function. All that you're going to do is make them more militant to demand something more. And, and, and you won't achieve a damn thing by voting no. Am I right or wrong?
0: Well, it, it exactly. Like a, a no vote for the referendum of the voice would uh, quite rightly be a massive when i say quite right, like indigenous people would quite rightly feel slapped in the face because at the end of the day indigenous people make up what like 2.5 percent of the population here like the the referendum is going to be a bunch of non-indigenous people deciding how many rights indigenous people get you know at the end of the day so we we need to stand with our indigenous brothers and sisters and uh, get this through
1: well, I don't remember. Gonna work real hard for now. Let's get on early to the good guys and the bad guys because the ones I want to put up might stir up a bit of a chat. My my good person of the week is Anastasia. Anastasia Pallotay, the Premier of Queensland, who put up a sixty billion dollar plan for renewable energy, mainly by hydro and and whatever you in North Queensland, and, and, and it's a uh, uh, and and it, it's a hell of a lot of money. And it's going to put Queensland ahead of the targets to get down to net zero and, uh, you know, what have you. Now, she'd been caned on various sides for wasting 62 billion people saying it won't work and all these renewable things, they fall over. Uh, And so the first people to rush out say it doesn't go. I thought it was a brave effort to do something. And I came out and backed it. They got a bit of a hiding on Twitter for backing it. But I think uh, if we're going to take the whole renewable energy thing seriously, there's no good fiddling around with a little little bit of solar power here and a little bit of water there. You better hit it right in the guts, which is what she's done. What's your
0: thoughts? Yeah, absolutely. And I think as, as part of her plan as well, they announced that like current coal miners and that would be retrained and retrenched into new jobs, which is very important. Um, it, it's awesome. Uh, like I know the... Minerals Council of Queensland or whatever came out and slander her for it. And I think generally if the Minerals Council slandered you, you're probably on the right side of history. Um, So (laughs) it's a pretty good barometer. And I think, you know, she's like people have often criticised the Queensland Labor government for, given they're in Queensland, have a more conservative voter base, not doing as much for climate change as other governments. Uh, But I think this one's a huge win and a huge, huge step in the right direction. Hopefully, it might even put some pressure on other states and the federal government to get even more ambitious. So,
1: oh, well, exactly right. And 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 look, the, obviously, if, if this power comes on, Queensland's going to be less reliant on coal, and so the coal miners are going to get a bit upset. But I think it's time that the coal industry did a bit of investing, in, which they've never done. They've played around the how. Do we make coal a clean source of power to use? How do we get its, its, its emissions down to zero? Countries like Canada are still making a big attempt to, to do it. It's costly, but eventually it'll come down like most things. But I hope that this thing forces the coal industry to say, well, if we want to survive, we better clean up our act and go everything out of the way to clean up our act, which they're not going to do while we pander to a mother.
0: Well, I mean, I I don't know if that can be done. I mean, I I like we we have all the renewable tools in front of us already. We don't need, quote unquote, clean coal. Like clean coal was a big myth the Morrison government pushed to try to keep coal relevant um, during their tenure. But we like we've got, you know, vast planes in this country for solar power, wind power, hydroelectric power. Um, we we have a country blessed with all the national and ecological infrastructure to be the the renewable energy superpower of the world. I mean, think of how much desert we have. We could stick a bunch of solar panels and not just power Australia, but power the entire Asia Pacific. Yeah. Um, so I, I think like I think part of Anastasia's plan was to have like the largest solar farm in the Southern Hemisphere or something in Queensland. Yeah. So, you know, it's 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 awesome to see the, the switch to renewables going well.
1: Well, it's interesting. All I'm saying is that the coal industry wants to save itself. It's now, it can't rely on governments. It's, oh, got yeah. to it's got to take action. The ball's back in, in their court. Absolutely. Who's yeah. your good person of the week?
0: Um, my good person of the week is soon to be High Court Justice Jay Jago or Jago or Jago. I don't know how to pronounce it. It's like French J A G O T. Um, she's just been appointed. Uh, by Mark Dreyfus to replace the soon to be retiring Patrick Keane. Uh, she's a great judge. She's on the federal court. Uh, with all due respect, she's a considerably better appointment than the Morrison government's last two appointments to the high court when they tried and hopefully failed to politicise the court uh, by appointing people who they think will make judgments more favourable to them. Whereas under Mark Dreyfus, we're back to appointing the best people for the job. Um, we're going to have a first majority female High Court for the first time ever uh, when Her Honour steps up to the job. And that's really cool. Like, we didn't have a single female High Court judge until Mary Gordon was appointed in, like, the 80s. Um, and then after her, it took until the 2000s for a second. And now we're going to have a majority female High Court in a couple months' time, which I think is just awesome. Uh, there's obviously still a lot to be done in the legal profession in terms of diversity and inclusion like most partners are still male there's still institutional sexual assault in the profession and those sorts of horrible power dynamics but uh, an all-female high court uh, sorry a majority female high court is a, a big win it's a big win well it is
1: and I, yeah and I, I rejoice that you know that's uh, you know that's uh, you know that's that's happened too and and and, uh, uh, and, and it, 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 can, it can be the bad guys uh, uh uh, you know, we, we, we've we got to belt Putin yet again. I mean, every week we've Putin, but his whole issue of declaring those uh, four provinces in Ukraine to be uh, part of Russia uh, is his latest, uh, probably totally illegal. But for internal political reasons, he was able to get up and say, look, they, they, they're Russian. There's a lot of Russians in those areas, and I've now freed them. They're back in our country. And therefore, what I did in Ukraine is now a great success. Clap, clap, clap. I've now got four provinces back in Russia where they belong. Clap, clap, clap. And so for internal reasons, he probably had a big political coup. The big issue is, what's the rest of the world going to do to undeclare them? And the only way you can undeclare them is to give Zelensky enough firepower to get in there and take them back and say, well, they're back in Ukraine. The only way he's ever going to get them back is by force.
0: How do you see it? Yeah, it's, it's worrying. I mean, you know, maybe is is this the off ramp that Putin needed? It would could, could Putin look to wind down the the aggression now after claiming those four provinces? I don't know. Um, obviously, Zelensky isn't going to stop um, because that the provinces you know were Ukraine two hours ago and now they're Russia. Um, so which we'll, like is, I don't think Zelensky will stop resisting, um, by any means. But is I don't know, maybe this is what Putin needs to, like you say, go home, do his big fanfare announcement, and um, wind things down. You'd hope, but I, I'm not, well,
1: well, no one really knows, uh, you know, uh, what, what he would do. There's other parts of Ukraine he's still occupied, like some of the ports down, down the bottom. Yeah, in the middle of water, there under the bridge. And, I think uh, the Western world is not handling him well and they could have fixed this a long time ago by being more aggressive with him. But here we are, you know, landing in that, uh, you know, that, uh, that situation there. Now, now, I've got to tell you, just tell you, I also wanted to say in terms of bad guys, I mean, uh, this trust that uh, Conor, uh, the new Prime Minister of England, brought in massive tax cuts and other things which is supposed to rejuvenate the currency and all it's done is make the pound the dive is it's uh, set the back of England into a tear, saying this is reckless. Uh, uh, and uh, so she's uh, gone on this ultra conservative way, which is, in my view, going to destroy, cripple rather, not destroy, it's going to cripple England for a long period of time. And I think it's uh, it's appalling that uh, it's another three years, I think it is, in England before you can have another election. And so they've got a bit of a rough time ahead of them, haven't
0: they? Oh, yeah. Oh yeah, I mean, I am um, the so that the Liz Trust tax cuts are even worse than the level three tax cuts that Morrison passed here in terms of giving the whole heap of money to the richest people in society. Um, like no one, no economist thinks this is a good idea, um, be it an English economist or abroad. The International Monetary Fund has said, "Hey, England, don't do this." And the International Monetary Fund generally only comments on third world countries' economies, Um, not the economy of England, that one might think Liz Truss is turning the place into a third world country by taking all the money of the working people, you know, concentrating it at the very top end of uh, Chelsea. But it's...
1: It's awful. In all my life, politicians, have been getting themselves elected by promising tax cuts or doing it in order to stimulate the economy. And I've never, anyway, whether it's Australia, anywhere else, America, Britain, anywhere else, seen a tax cut work. All that a tax cut does is make a few more guys wealthy. The theory of trickle-down economics has never trickled down. It's always trickled up. It's never trickled down. This business says, look, we're really doing this because all this money you're giving us is now going to make the poor wealthy, which is absolute crap. It is pure a pure welfare handout to the wealthy. Now the wealthy get round criticizing the poor for getting welfare handouts, but they take a welfare handout whenever they get the tax cuts they demand. And what's cynical about it is most of them do their best not to pay any tax anyway. You know, and so it's a, one of the more cynical things I've come across in my life.
0: Yeah, it it just hurts me to see, especially knowing there are so many Britons out there who are. You know, are struggling to heat their homes in the winter, are struggling to put food on the table. After all, that, like that country was ravaged during the pandemic. You know, they had seriously long lockdowns. Um, a lot of people lost their jobs. Um, obviously, I'd still say those lockdowns were unfortunately necessary. But when those things happen, you, the government, when the government forces you to stay home from work, the government has to support you as well, is my opinion. And instead of the government supporting the poorest people over there, are um, this uh, trust has turned around and said, hey, we're going to give a lot, a lot of money to the richest people. Now, I saw a poll come out uh, over the past couple of days. It has the Tories polling at like 21%. Uh, now, in a first past the post country, like the UK, if those numbers were to hold all the way until a general election, they surely wouldn't. But if they were to, the Tories would be wiped off the map even worse than the Liberal Party were here at the last election. Um, uh, two I years is a that, long time, obviously. But. Yeah, I think that's right. Well, now who, who's your uh,
1: who's your uh, you've had a bad guy for the
0: week? Um, so my my bad guy of the week, and bad is a bit harsh, but um, I'm I'm going to say the um uh, Chinese women's basketball team. They didn't do anything dirty or wrong. They beat the Opals fair and square. Uh, but they knocked the Opals out of the Women's Basketball World Cup, and that makes me sad. So. <laughs>
1: well, it is sad. Well, uh, well, while we're talking about that today, and we can finish up with this, today Penrith uh, and, and, and Parramatta play one another. I know you live out in that direction out there. and uh, I'm, uh, uh, First of all, I'm not a rugby league fan. I think, uh, I'm not a rules man, but you can't ignore things that are happening nationally, and I'm going to it for Parramatta because all my life, Parramatta as a city has been the poor relation of Sydney, uh, you know, Sydney, and it was out there and it all seemed to have problems, always with the marginal and federal and state governments, and Parramatta have always had in mind the poor relation of Sydney now. Uh, Things have improved a bit as far as that goes, but I'd like to see Parramatta win. They haven't won for a long time, but having said that, this Penrith team looks to me like a pretty hot team, and so. Parramatta's got his work cut out, but I think that uh, you know it would be a
0: good thing for poor old Parramatta to come home, wouldn't it? Well, um, the, the grand final's actually tomorrow, not tonight, because unlike That's the right. AFL, which puts their grand final at a sensible time, the NRL puts theirs at like 7.30pm on a Sunday because they are clowns. Um, but I'm a, I'm a Bulldogs fan, uh, so I the, the Bulldogs and the Eels are traditional rivals, Last time my Bulldogs won was 04, the last time the Eels won was the 80s. So if the Eels win tomorrow, then Eels fans can turn around and mock my team for not having won in a while, when right now it's me who gets to mock them for not having won in a while. So I really don't want the Eels to win. Um, <laughs> I, I, I do <laughs> live in Bedriff. And, um, as, as you pointed out, everyone in Bedriff is buying in. All the businesses have Panthers, Colours up, you know, streamers or posters or whatever. It's really cool to see. Uh, the. Panthers. The Panthers won last year, but because of the uh, lockdown, everything was in Queensland. All the grand final and that. Uh, so the the city couldn't really celebrate. So I'd I'd love to see the Panthers get up and give the good people of Penrith a a home celebration. Well,
1: right. well, let's see what uh, what happens. Worst things can happen to us if either side. Uh, oh yes. If either side wins, and look, we're next week. Uh, the Parliament sits again this week, doesn't it? They may yes. have to sit for three weeks in a row That's which they've right. never done before. That'll wear them out. But, <laughs> you know, it'll be interesting the way the way politics uh, develops and there's a number of items and bills that still have to come before the Parliament that have been promised in elections. I think we'll have a, a bit more uh, uh, electricity. And I think next week we we might just give uh, Don Perate a bit of a clip around the ears because I've been talking to my friends in Lismore where... The situation up there from the past floods and the pending ones and whatever, are just appalling, and I think it's a terrible example about not to handle a crisis situation. So we might have, we might whack peritone around the ears next week. Yeah, but let's see what happens, uh, you know, during the week. But it's good to talk to you again today, James, and Will. we'll chat again.
0: Yep, as always, Everall, thanks for listening, everyone. Until next time. Bye, Bye